and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey, Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Hello again, and welcome to our latest show. This time, we're focusing on Hong Sang Soo and his latest film, The Woman Who Ran, and we've got my better half here to help us chat about the film. Mm-hmm. The resident Eastern Kicks, so Hong Sang Su expert. Tanya Hall, hi. <laughs> but first, let's get on to that important question. What are we drinking this episode? Well, that's a good question, and quite appropriately, I can see a bottle of something over on the table with you. What's what's that? Is it, yeah, could it be soju? Ah, yes, it is. Gin Road, Jamsil. Fresh. <laughs> Fresh. Well, it has to be, doesn't it? Because we're connoisseurs, you know. But what else could we drink when talking about Hong Sang Su? Exactly. the main chat the latest film from that most idiosyncratic of korean directors hong sang soo called the woman who ran it's currently on curzon home cinema with plans for physical screenings in the cinemas later on and also streaming right now on movie and in homage to hong sang soo we're hoping that this will be a very short talk (laughs) (laughs) so what can we say about this new film from hong sang soo i think the woman who ran is a really great film um and for those of you who've Read the review on Eastern Kicks. Um, many of the reasons for that are outlined. What I would say is I think it's... I like its opaqueness, and this is something that you either really love or hate about Hong Sang Soo, but it's a, a, just a very beautiful, understated, simple uh, story told in three acts of a woman, uh, Gam Hae, who goes to see uh, friends and, and rivals in love because her partner is away on a business trip, her husband. And it's it's just the interaction between her and these other women that she meets meets up with, uh, talking mostly about men. So it's not going to pass the Bechdel test in terms of uh, you know, a film about women who in, that don't talk about men because there's a lot of conversation about men. But it's, it's just a really wonderful film. Uh, like I said, it's kind of opaque it's open to interpretation i think what's really beautiful about it is that you can sort of pour your own conclusions feelings assumptions into it and um and so i think most viewers will be rewarded with a a, quite a different experience from each other and i think that's what's nice about it. it's one of those films that you'll come out of watching and think about for a long time and, and perhaps talk about with other people and your perspectives on it, I think, will be very diff- different. I I thought it was really fantastic. One of his strongest ones yet. So it's right to say that this is his first one with all all female characters. Well, certainly all female lead characters. Only, oh, sorry, I mean, all, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the narrative yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Hong Sang Soo has had female protagonists before. Hmm. Uh, his muse and partner and frequent collaborator Kim Min Hee featured in on the beach at night alone and and she was the the lead in that but there was still a lot of male Mm. 
character interaction whereas in this film in the large part they're simply unwelcome interruptions in conversations between other women Mm. so the, the focus really is on these these different female characters who to my view portray quite different aspects of being a woman of a certain age one is quite happily divorced well not necessarily happily divorced but content Mm. living uh you know with a with a roommate i don't know she may or may not be gay it's hard Mm. to tell what the relationship is there but she certainly prefers the company of women she lives out in you know the the suburbs of seoul she's you know she seems quite happy with this quiet life and and yet um mm. second friend is living the kind of creative bohemian lifestyle really enjoying the kind of drama of relationships and and ups and downs and and that seems to her to be you know a great way to live she doesn't seem to have any intention of getting married um and then the the third woman that gamhi meets is is a woman who eventually married her what was then I think her boyfriend it sounds mm. we we it's it's suggested in the way they speak to each other that Gam he was dating this guy and this this other woman is literally the other woman but it's interesting that the one person who's well the the one woman she meets who's in a relationship isn't really very happy with it she's quite resentful of her her partner's success and and doesn't feel he's particularly sincere he's become a kind of fame hungry uh, narcissist <laughs> and she's sort of really living in his in his shadow so yeah it's it's very very much about women I mean men men turn up but for the large part they're sort of ineffectual or yeah and unwelcome certainly so uh, yeah it's a it's a very interesting departure because as most people know many of uh, Hong, Hong's films have male protagonists they tend to be characters who are either filmmakers, yeah. mm. authors, um, a bit useless, um, a bit a bit prone to to misunderstanding. This film doesn't seem like it's about misunderstandings as such, but more about perhaps what's left unsaid. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it definitely has a different feel to his stuff. It's just, I, I think. I mean, one of the things you said there. I mean, yes, so many of his films. I mean, even the ones which are have kind of like a female. In the title and stuff, they're still essentially completely about the male characters and stuff. Just it's an interesting move for for a director who is, you know, so known for. I mean, basically making the same thing over and over again from slightly different narrative tricks or perspectives. Everything. I mean, using not too different a structure, but then there's always a danger for this. I mean, different people had said to me before, like, is this is this a female focus film? Female centric? Is it? feminist film at all does he seem is there is this Hong Sang Su doing this for a reason to try and like give a sort of female voice to stuff as I've seen read a couple of people vaguely suggesting or is this just another sort of Hong Sang Su one slightly different and it happens to female characters instead I, I I'm not sure of the answer I mean it, it, because what I mean watching the film the, there is a lot of it just left unsaid which you, you fill in the blanks um you know which he does quite playfully as usual mm. and stuff so there's nothing for me to say it doesn't feel authentic. But you know what, I, I mean, because his dialogue in so many of his films just seems to be self, you know, self-reflexive, like autobiographical and stuff like this. So in this case, he's, you know, writing for female characters. And, you know, to be honest, some of the female characters in his other films are a bit weak. Like, I think you could, it's, 
you know, I think you could say that, or I could say that about some of his earlier films. Uh, they serve a purpose in the script rather than being like full, full on characters because you're too busy laughing at the, the director or the actor bumbling around and you know trying to pick up a younger woman, which you know. In some ways, they feel like they they have got better over time. Yeah. I think part of that was quite often was in the casting. So mm-hmm. when he had Moonsari and yeah. Ha Ha even if her character wasn't there all the time, she's such a presence that she True. actually brought yeah. a lot to the to the role that that, that mm. ne- didn't necessarily need to be said. And you can say the same with Kim Min Hee as well. Yeah. She's bringing a lot to the role. But mm. also he is writing, does seem to be, these characters have shifted mm-hmm. as well in, in films like Hotel by the River. There's, a, there's more of them rather than just yeah. being... I mean, that's one of the good. One of the things he's always said that he he writes like a very basic version of the script, then he kind of you know keeps changing, adding dialogue and stuff as he works with the you know the actors or the you know, stars like during the film and stuff. So yeah, so maybe it is a question: is this having? I'm not going to say better quality female star, but ones that he can collaborate or connect with more in those kind of ways, everything that which sort of brings out something more. But it's just it's just interesting, I think, because for me, he's always for me he's. I don't want to say one note, let's say like it's a bad thing, but um, it's it's this just seems still like uh, an interesting move to sort of go into sort of dealing very overtly with an you know, basically all female main cast and everything like that. I mean, for any director, but for a male director to go into in this kind of uh, day and age now, rightly, you know, you're questioning whose voice you're hearing, where that voice is coming from, is it representative, what it's saying, everything like that. So you know, I'm not as so familiar obviously with like. Uh, lives of women say in South Korea and stuff so watching it for me I suspect is possibly like a different thing because I still you know you still feel it's about men in a way stuff you know, as you said like it's not going to pass that <laughs> test about women not but it all <laughs> you can still feel kind of a male presence even though they're not kind of there like you know Hong Sang Soo looming over the conversation <laughs> or something but whether he's a, like a, the narrative puppet master or the ghost of the feast I don't know but Perhaps, perhaps because he has a group of people he's worked with for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Most of the people in this have have been at least a couple of mm. his other films, yeah. Yeah. and you Very know true. his last films mm. of the past decade. So I, I think he's got a kind of company of actors now, and yeah. perhaps there is more to and fro about the dialogue. But also, you know, his his life partner is an actress mm. with whom he collaborates. Perhaps she has a little more agency in terms of Could, yeah. how characters mm. are, are portrayed. Yeah. Maybe she can say this doesn't seem particularly realistic or honest. You know, you can only write what you know, I guess. Yeah. It, with this mm. sort of stuff where it, where the dialogue is very naturalistic and not much really happens. Mm. There, you know, for a lot of people who are used to other sorts of Korean fil- film. No one gets their hands chopped off. <laughs> All time. All time. <laughs> no one gets dangled out a window. There's not a guy in a sharp suit driving around in a car shooting at people. <laughs> this is not, you know, action or or horror or even some of the sort of rather convoluted political thrillers that, that come out of uh, Korea now. Yeah. It, these, this is a, these are... Indie films, um, they are really the you know he's a real darling of the European film mm. festival circuit. He gets really lauded for that, 
um, his style is very distinctive. Mm. You you really do either like it or you don't. But if you haven't seen any of, any of his films, this this might actually be a good place to start because it's quite easy. Yeah. Some of them are more complicated. They have very complicated narrative structures. Sometimes he plays with time. He plays with how people perceive what's happened in a conversation. Mm-hmm. This is a little more linear, although we don't know. We don't know. It's There are three distinct acts to it. It mm. could be that they happen at completely different times true, to what yeah. we're seeing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of his other stuff, I mean, I think the first one of his I saw was uh, Tale of Cinema, which is basically, you know, kind of two acts. And I was more familiar with the other kind of Korean films you're talking about. So the first time I watched that, because I was reviewing it for so long, yeah, I, I, I was completely lost when it kind of switched, because it is that kind of blurring of I think in that case it was more like a blurring of fact and fiction like which is a film or which is the people making the film or what is are they playing the characters in this you know that kind of side of things so he, he does like he does like to have his like little sort of narrative tricks yeah everything. which is probably why he's such a you know a mainstay of the festival yeah the, the, yeah. Euro, the European festival circuit I think you can call compared to you know even compared to other you know whether you call them like you know, Korean genre directors or mm. Korean art house directors or so if he is the leading face of Korea, most of these ones, I mean, even even more so than Bong Joon-ho in a way, because I, mean, I think he's had a film. I mean, whatever there's Berlin, you know, Cannes, Locarno, Venice. I mean, you know, if Hong Sang-soo has a film, it'll be there. And I think that one of the big differences in him is he does seem to make a film pretty much every year, sometimes more than one yeah. year. Well, I mean, so, you, know, you go back to twenty seventeen, and there were three films. <laughs> that's unheard of for a Korean you know, for a Korean director. That's you know, but unheard lots of years there's been a, you know one or two films. Yeah. you know, very kind of very very few yeah. gaps along the way. It's, incre- you know, it's pretty incredible. But I mean, he I makes them it. very cheaply, right? And he makes them very cheaply mm-hmm. and very quickly, and they're not these big. Um, there's no special effects budget. Mm. They don't have huge. Um, he's not making a historical drama with all those gorgeous costumes. True. Um, he has this process where he basically people get the script on the day mm-hmm. and then have to make learn it <laughs> and make their way through it. And yeah. I mean that kind of. I don't think it's necessarily improv, but it does keep it very very fresh. Mm. And nobody knows quite what the setup's going to be. I remember uh, the cinematographer um, Kim Hyun Koo was a, a guest at London Korean Film Festival a few years back, and he was talking mm. about the process of working with. That's true. Um, <laughs> so basically, you get onto the set and you basically have to keep up with for an actor, whatever yeah. it is. For an actor, that's probably, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy, but doable. But for a cinematographer, lighting departments, I mean, mm. he obviously has kind of like a naturalistic documentary stuff, but he'd have to. There's yeah, the, the, the very kind of familiar Hong Sang Soo trick of the zoom, yes. which just goes into, you know, during a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lots of very static, the cameras are static most yeah. of the time. He, he puts a camera somewhere, and apart <laughs> from moving the zoom in and out, or perhaps panning from one person to the other, yes. he leaves things, which is quite nice. You get it framed. It's like you're sitting a, across a room and you're seeing two people Mm-mm. talking or doing something and so quite often you feel a bit like an interloper i think uh, yeah mm-hmm. i think that's one of the the sort of strands of it especially you know for his, his more boozy films where which quite a few of them are on the soldier and stuff you do kind of feel like you're in one of these you know little 
sort of pubs or and you're kind of sitting not too far away from the people and you're just hearing and some and it's kind of helped by the fact that a lot of the action takes place in, in bars yeah yeah it's quite unusual <laughs> cafes yeah interestingly this is a bit more of a departure because there is less alcohol being drunk there is yeah. some macaulay at the, yeah. the beginning but and not. and there's a bit of a bit of wine mm. at one other point but it's uh, not, not so much not so much mm. but going back to the the narrative thing mm. i mean some some of the narrative tricks he's used in the past have been really quite ex, you know extraordinary i think mm. hill of freedom is premised oh, yeah. on a, a person receiving a bunch of letters from someone and they trip and they fall out of chronological order and then <laughs> that's how the scenes are set up mm-hmm. and there's another one right now wrong then where we see mm. that the same the completely the same day filmed two different ways one from the perspective of um one character one from the other and mm. and it's it's quite you know it's, it's sort and just little differences yeah ration one light <laughs> <laughs> ration one very light it, it's, it's interesting he did go down a line of i think it was a point where he was doing some very deliberate kind of narrative tricks like yeah. that and then you know even things like ha 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 where you're getting you, you start to realize that these two guys are talking over at a bar and mm. you know and they're actually kind of talking about the same events from a different perspective and they don't basically for most of the, for the film yeah. they don't really realise that, that they're doing this <laughs> but he's kind of he went into a lot of films that were doing that and they seem to have come out of of, of that that phase of his of being of a very specific kind of mm. narrative devices like that yeah mm. like what I think it, there are two things that I really one thing I really like about Hong Sang-soo's films is they are mercifully short oh it's very true 100%. they're lovely they're yeah. lovely and short <laughs> but weirdly be- because little happens mm. they don't feel you don't think oh god that was over quickly Mm-mm. there's a lot of room in them uh, with a lot of pauses and, and time to breathe yeah um so they they don't feel rushed but it's because the 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 action is small i guess is mm. the, you know it's it's a very little piece a little nibble of something mm. the one thing i am quite relieved about in this but he does do a lot is he he um he creates his own music for some of these things or, oh, okay. you know and, and 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 sometimes it's just a bit it's quite OTT. deliberately jarring i think yeah I it is a bit like that. like somebody's just plugged their casio keyboard into the back of <laughs> in, yeah into yeah. the into the back of a bad Mike Link in, in, in the camera and it's distorting quite heavily. Yeah, but I think but in the last in the about. last film, Grass, where he, he employed that a lot, I think that was deliberately to obscure some of the lines so we were straining to hear because we were mm. it was set in a cafe with a woman overhearing other people's conversations. So I, I think we were meant to one. we were meant to sort of have the same experience. It's quite interesting that actually that one some of those conversations, you know, we talk about them were quite often quite back, but I think with mm. that one, there's actually more close-ups of people talking. There's a little bit of a change mm. of pace. So the the one, one of the ones where it's actually it should be more, we are at a distance is actually mm. more intimate. Yeah, mm. I think the, I mean, the the real you can really see the benefit of have, working with the same people all the time though, because yeah. the, the acting was really uniformly good, and it's. It's not. It's very subtle. It's people talking in strange, awkward ways, like you would normally. Like we are here. We have pauses. We say slightly the wrong thing. It's, and that's quite must be quite difficult to pull off because it is still scripted. Yeah. 
but it mm. sounds very naturalistic. In some ways, it reminds me a bit of Richard Linklater. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, for he sure. He weirdly, I mean, well, not weirdly, <laughs> but his, his dialogue is very heavily scripted to yeah. sound naturalistic. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not quite sure how much of what, what Hong yeah. does is ad-libbed, but it does, but it really takes quite a, a lot of restraint to make that, I think, acting restraint to make that seem realistic. You can't ham it up. Mm. because it just doesn't work it would it would be really jarring mm-hmm. so the, that's nice too that that sort of tone and the the caliber of the actors is all very good i mean kim and he is is beautiful so if you want to look at her um <laughs> yeah i mean you really she's very compelling mm. uh, you know in the same way that kind of you know any very beautiful male or female actor is but everyone is very good i mean I don't know if you agree, but yeah, I think they were uniformly. I can't think cracking. of really too many enemies films where he's worked with. You know, he's you said like bad performances with people or films which haven't seemed natural. You know, for better or worse. I mean, sometimes they're quieter films than others and stuff. But I've never seen one of his where things seemed like uh, overwrought or unnatural or anything. Even when he was working with um, what's her name, uh, Isabel. Hubert. 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 So <laughs> I was struggling for the 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 trans. Not translation, the pronunciation, rather. Um, even when she was in them, everything like that. Like, there was two films we made with her, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Claire's, Claire's Camera. Claire's Camera is the one I remember. In another country. Another country. That's it. That's it. Even when working with her and stuff, like that whole movie is not either a regular collaborator or somebody he maybe sat down with and had a bunch of soju with and like discussed the scenes and everything like that. Even though those like seem very natural, even when mm. she was working with him and everything. So mm. this is obviously his. You know, a real strength he has, everything, a, a skill of like bringing that out into people, whether it's like a trust the actors have of going with him if he turns up in the morning and I don't know, and says, like, Don't worry, I rewrote your lines last night. <laughs> no, no, I missed, I missed, half the lines are missing. I'd be fine, just go with it. You know, I, I don't know. It, but it's, it would be interesting to see the scripts, yeah, and see the, the deviation between because it, it feels like there would be improv. Mm. But then you don't really hear him being talked about as a director, like that being a big thing. If if you know if it was improv, that level of like dialogue collaboration, because you know he is credited obviously as writer for all the films, everything, which mm. is writer director, and I think for the last few producer as well. I mean, it must yeah, it's been for a while producer. I mean, not his earlier films, but for a while he he's been producer. So I mean, it must be great to have that creative control when so many filmmakers really don't. But mm. I guess if you're only asking people for you know hundred couple hundred thousand bucks here and there it's probably easier and you're guaranteed entry into any european festival <laughs> not, not that it helps them sell i mean his films from i mean not many have been released in the uk anyway right i mean or just yeah, really really small releases yeah and like properly on home media you've got yeah you've basically you've had um the woman is the future of man a taylor cinema as a as a Double film, single mm, release yeah. from from Arrow. You've had Nobody's Daughter Haywan. I think, I mean, some have been released digitally. Some have turned up randomly on Film Four, but there's not really been. Yeah, I mean, you. you I, I think. I, mean, I think part of it's down to the length as well, because you do get a couple of a few like sixty nine minute or seventy two minutes mm. in there. I, I don't know. Maybe the cinemas are the less like to pack people, and it's just that he's you know he's so known as like be more like a cinephile's choice for things. Like you say, if you say Korean, modern Korean cinema, 
most people you might get some like people say no i like hong sang soo but i don't like korean cinema almost because <laughs> yeah. you're right i mean most people would think about it, the park chang uh the bong joon ho you know the sort of genre stuff which is great but i think yeah there's going to be a difference between somebody who calls himself a hong sang soo fan and to someone who calls himself a korean it's, it's quite um, in some ways it, it kind of closes up the the audience for, mm. for hong sang soo and perhaps potentially a bit unfairly because his films aren't they have these devices, but they're not pretentious. No, no, they're quite totally, fun, totally, yeah. You know, and and sometimes I think being put in that that, mm. that mm. box is not totally agreed. Yeah, totally there's a lot to... of humour in them. I mean, there's a great scene in this in uh, the woman who ran, where uh, the these women are sitting at home having a, a drink and catching up, and there's a, a the doorbell rings and it's a man from next door, who asks them the. The occupants to please stop feeding the stray cats because his wife is <laughs> frightened of them, and it's just so such an odd request, and it's met with this sort of amusement <laughs> by these women who just keep smiling well, and they don't they don't really give him any in. They just say, "Well, we like the cats, and otherwise they'll starve," and it's just left in this very it's 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 actually quite funny. Mm-hmm. So he's not it's not that these things aren't playful, and and particularly the you know, the embarrassment that comes with mm. you know, many of the situations that the protagonists get themselves in, you know, drinking and making a fool themselves. And <laughs> it, is, it is really very, and the embarrassment and the sort of cringe that comes with mm, it. Mm. There's a little of that sort of uncomfortableness humour of, say, someone like Larry David. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, there is a bit. I, mean, yeah. I think that was much more pronounced in his earlier films. I think it, you know, it's still there, like an undercurrent of it in his, you know, the last few years. But... Um, I think yeah, his some of his earlier stuff. It was much more like the bumbling male director who's drunk and maybe he can't remember what woman he's talking to. Or wait, is that the assistant of the lighting girls at the camera? You know, that kind mm-hmm. of. Or is he just deluding himself? He made the whole thing up in his mind because he was too drunk. There was a lot more of that kind of. Um, not a, I don't want to say overt comedy, but yeah, a lot more of that kind of like Schadenfreude kind of you know look at this egotistical, mm. narcissistic male fool who's so obviously self deluded. Well, perhaps the. The renewed interest, you know, with the Parasite win at the Oscars mm. earlier this year, which seems like a lifetime ago, <laughs> <laughs> when we were sitting here in what yeah. February talking about uh, Parasite, um, maybe that will will you know people will be more curious and and you know for listeners who haven't seen any of his films, mm. you know, start with this one. It's a yeah. it's a really great movie, and if you like it, and you may not, you know, fair enough. Um, you, Rewatch some more. So, I mean, thinking about this, we've got, you know, we're saying that the, the woman who ran is quite a good place to start with Hong Sang Su. What other films we think might be a good starting off point? James, uh, what do you like? There's none, of, there's none of them I don't like. I haven't seen the last two ones. I didn't see, was it Hotel? Hotel by the River. River. Yes, I didn't see that or, or Grass. Yeah. Um, Claire, I mean, I thought Claire's camera. I, I really, I do probably prefer the ones which are more sort of about filmmakers, bumbling directors and stuff, <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so even when you go back, um, beside that, like getting back to the um, uh, right now, wrong then, 
everything like that, which I think was kind of like one of those parts where he, he started getting more noticed. That ha 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 and that I think were two kind of very key ones where he got a. I think ha ha is, is a really is actually a nice, um, mm. a nice film to start with as well. A, a nice early one to take on board. That mm. that it's, I mean, it is. Without kind of being deliberately ha ha kind of like comedy, but it is. It is it is very funny. It yeah. is as we saw talking before. It's the one where these two guys are talking about <laughs> actually the same events and they don't realise um, getting drunker and drunker. <laughs> it's just, just a, a really solid um, starting point and, and yeah. a lot of fun. And uh, you did the, the performances there. I think Moonsaria <clears throat> Neris is particularly good as well. Yeah, I mean she's good in everything. But I I, I think because so many of these films are similar and everything, it doesn't hugely matter really I, I maybe some maybe his first few ones are a little are a bit different like you say they, they have slightly different feel to they don't, they're not i wouldn't say mean-spirited or anything like that but they're, they're a bit more they're immature because yeah, because as a filmmaker for, yeah. and probably as a person he was i think they his filmmaking style mm -hmm. has matured yeah, as he yeah, has definitely. which is it's quite nice to be able to see that i wasn't i've seen a couple of the early films the woman is the future of man. I, I've, I've thought that just didn't really, in the kind of Me Too era, it, it, well, it couple, felt yeah. a little. Uh, you think a couple of those, like what was it, Ver Strip Bear by her Bachelors? Like, Brian, yeah, uh, Bride Strip Bear Bachelors, uh, Virgin. Is it Virgin or Bride? Either, either way, it could, be, it might be one of those ones. So it's one of the. <laughs> well, I get it confused with like guts of a, and entrails of a beautiful woman. <laughs> Of course, of, of course, course natural confused, but they're about the same length. So anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But no, I agree. Some of his earlier ones are are a bit more. Yeah, I'm not they sure. They haven't aged as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, probably yeah. the best way to put it and stuff. So maybe skip the first five years or something like yeah. that. Yeah, unless you absolutely love them. You can go back and go back. You should definitely go back and revisit them. I mean, just because you can, as you say, I think you can really see that through his career, like a. Of sort of very nice, consistent maturing hmm. and developing and stuff. Um, I'd also put a shout out for Hotel by the River, which was, in in terms of the tone, a slightly well, a lot more, a lot more. more poignant. Yeah. It was okay. really quite sad. It's very beautiful um, and a little. It's it's really about a person acknowledging their mortality. I'm I'm not going to put any spoilers in here mm. in case people do want to see it but it's it's really lovely it's it's has quite a different sort of feel in terms of it's not as funny mm. uh it's not as sort of it's awkward but in a slightly different way so that's another good one i think if you're you're interested i'd like to see that no, yeah, i'd, I'd really like good. to see it yeah and it's quite interesting because that's become more of a little uh, a topic that kind of crops up in his films at the, you know, increasingly, I think the sort of mortality and growing old <laughs> as he gets older. As he gets older, I mean, it's very. Well, he's what sixty. I mean, yeah, I that's, 60 now, that's yeah. what happens, right? Is you, you know, when yeah. you're in your even your thirties and forties, you think you're invincible, and uh, all of a sudden you start to realise you're not. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think most most places would be not a bad place to start to that. Um, and there's no put it this way. There's no films, and though. I have to admit, some of the films kind of blur into one, like a little bit for me. Uh, there's, there's no bad films, yeah, at, at all. I don't, I can't really think of too many other filmmakers who've, especially the ones who make as many films as him, mm. who've never actually done a film where everyone's like, uh, you know, that's the standard one to ignore or avoid, yeah. or that's yeah. the problem there. 
every name. He is. Um, I read a one one critic. Uh, I didn't. I don't think it was Tony Reams, but somebody said he was ostentatiously repetitive, <laughs> and everything like that. And he said that was high praise. <laughs> you know, they were being critic clever, ironic, mm. and everything. But it's true. He he is. There's there's a weird sort of consistency, but sort of it's not like recycling the same stuff over and over again and everything. But to an extent where, if you like his subject matter and stuff, if you if you're comfortable with this kind of like lo-fi laid back approach to stuff, which you know I think you're totally right. There's definitely a Richard Linklater in there. If you're comfortable with that, then most of his films are probably not a bad place to start. Yeah, which is not massively helpful to say. But, you know, I think it's yeah, but basically don't go wrong. Well, that's yeah. a much better way of putting it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you can, if you find, if you stumble upon one, have yeah. a go because it's it you. If you like it, then you'll probably like the others. Then you'll probably like the others. Mm. I think it's worth kind of bringing up the the influence of Hong Sang Soo because it does feel, and I think to a to a, to a great extent, it's quite true that that, that this style of indie Korean filmmaking. Has definitely become a bit of a thing mm. since he's been around. I definitely. mean, you, so you, you kind of start with people, direct collaborators like Lee Kwan Cook, um, who was an assistant director for Hong Sang Soo mm. on Tale Cinema, Ha Ha Ha, quite a few of his films, mm. and then went on to make Romance Joe, yeah. A Matter of in- Interpretation, all films where, you know, there is a lot of. Yeah, so it's, you know, that sort of perspective, playing around with stuff, but essentially still based around these kind of like dialogues and, or, you know, not whether it's awkwardness or just uncomfortable situations, miscommunications, and maybe slightly more humorous way and everything. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then you, it kind of goes on with people like uh, Chang Lu, mm. who, when he, he stopped making very, very art house movies, so a Chinese Korean director, <laughs> Chang Lu, who, Sometimes, yeah. he went on yeah. and made things like Gyeongju. Um, with Park Hae, Hae mm. um, which is this is a lovely film. It's a, it's it's a, really it's a fantastic nice. film, yeah. which is named after the, the the city and its rather odd <laughs> thing of being uh, the Silla Kingdom homeland with the, the the burial mounds all the way through the town, which gives it a very strange. And he really kind of brings that in the whole idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but his yeah, art house films go a bit really weird generally what, you know, so they, it, I think they still play some of his art house still plays around with those sort of narrative structures yeah that Hong Sang Soo does but in a much more I mean obtuse sounds wrong yeah. but if you enjoy those ones he takes them to a much more experimental degree and it's quite interesting that he, he's, he's definitely got a, quite a lot of a, a sense of humour about himself because mm-hmm. like in one of the following films um, A Quiet Dream which had uh, the star of Breathless Yang Ik Jong um, he, he actually has the main character there sitting back and laughing <laughs> at one of the of actual films on screen at how ridiculous it is which is quite fun um, but you, there are a lot of, of, of directors that that seem to be pulling on this I mean there are examples as well I mean, and yeah, I think one of the, the, the main examples is the uh, female filmmaker yeah, Jiang Gaiyang. Yeah, that that's uh, was at the BFI London F- Film Festival in twenty nineteen, and it is very similar in approach and tone. Um, it's it's 
really and it was it was billed by the BFI as Fleabag meets Hong Sang Soo. So the director is the lead actor in that one. It's slightly yes. different. But it's yeah. it's basically even more okay. this whole feeling of, of you know, the, the suggestion that it's that, that, that it's autobiographical is mm-hmm. even more so if it's actually played by Yeah, her. yeah. It was it was fun. She's a she's a young woman, it was I guess a little more risque little more I didn't um but in in, you know in interviews I've I've seen of hers uh she has name checked Hong Sang Soo as a a huge influence and and really um something to aspire to Mm -hmm. it was it was good it it was no Hong Sang Soo it was (laughs) it was not as it wasn't as it didn't have that kind of subtlety and and um it was. It had the playfulness and the the misinterpretation and the, mm. and the very simple uh, setup and very simple filming. But it was just less subtle. It was a bit a bit more like you were being head over the head with it. Fair but enough. again, she's young and. Yeah, it took how long did it take Hong Sang Soo to get to? Yeah, well, but it is, what it is. What is nice about it is it is. A female story yeah, written mm. by a female with, mm. you know, female protagonists, and yes, she talks a lot about men, but also about all sorts of other things. It's mm. it's quite an interesting story. Uh, an ex turns up, and this woman is <laughs> um, complaining about a, a man that she's besotted with, and and she just comes across as a massive narcissist. <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite nice to see a character. As unlikable as many of the male characters that we yeah. see in Hong Sang Soo films, and I think that's where the tone is similar. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of sympathy for these people. They've got themselves into the, the men in Hong Sang Soo films are often a bit hapless and very <laughs> a, a bit hapless as being kind. But it was it was good, and and I'd be interested to see if if she can if she continues along that kind mm. of filmic direction or does something different. But it was a nice homage. And you know, I think he's he's definitely a person who has had, and I think will continue to have a, a real influence, particularly on people who want to make low budget. I think that's, just, that's yeah. a very key part, the, the budget part uh, mm, as well. Maybe. If you're coming out of film school and stuff like that, you've probably been taught like a lot of Hong Kong. So you see your man, you know, all, every year like at some other European festivals and stuff. I mean, what, where are you going to where are you going to go? I mean, and then the, you know, if you don't have access to much funds, I mean, you could probably. If those films are shot for $100,000, you could probably do them for $10,000 without any be famous on them. You know what I mean? Or, or if you don't get paid as a director, which a lot of you know, young student directors would be and stuff. So I think that must be a huge part of the appeal. And I think that the surprising thing is just how big an influence Hong Sang-soo is in China. Yeah, he's, he's really popular in China, his films are. So I mean, the, well. the obvious uh, point of reference is Ku Sheng, who did Suburban Birds. And, mm-hmm. you know, this splits between... Yeah, half of it is this very kind of beautiful, almost be yeah. kind of vision of kids running around like derelicts mm-hmm. uh, or soon to be derelict buildings in, in you know that are being demolished, and the other half of it is adults that are going to bars, getting drunk, having stupid <laughs> conversations, you know, and and I mean he he you know did call out Hong Kong so as one of the influences, but yeah. you know you didn't really have to even know that because he's he's using the quintessential zoom technique yeah. in some of those situations you know and, and being quite playful with the, the the narrative in terms of 
not knowing quite if if this is some sort of weird thing from the past with these children or if it actually is taking place and it's one of the characters memories or if it actually is taking place at the same timeline mm-hmm. it's sort of Hong Sang Soo meets David Lynch kind of thing going on it's, it's quite <laughs> interesting but you know I mean, yeah. there are you know it's, it's again I think it's, it's it's partly down to that budget and partly down to being mm. you know doing something that can be digested internationally you know and acclaimed yeah and i i think that i mean absolutely and that's one of the other things uh, i guess we can say about his film is they don't have that dive into melodrama which so many korean films do even some of the, the genre ones as well even some of the like the real art house ones and stuff for the last 10 minutes they'll they'll suddenly dive into melodrama and a lot of you know catharsis through a lot of crying and hugging and confessions and everything which is totally fine but it doesn't play as well with western audiences so it's not a good or a bad thing I'm saying but mm. yeah you're right whereas Hong Sang Soo films or some of these other indie films they don't go down that route which is probably why mm. you know they're more easily digestible at foreign film festivals and then you know for audiences you know although having said his films don't really get distributed <laughs> in the UK at least anyway but yeah I think that's a large part of it as well like you know you don't have the two hour 20 minute running time and you know the last 20 minutes is probably not something you're going to be too interested in seeing so yeah or the middle half of it where there's just lots of shooting and chasing people around <laughs> which is, just puts me to sleep or the villain has for the first 10 minutes is and then nothing else happens and then there's more shit but <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's the it's it's nice that what's nice is that the the, the pace doesn't really change the tone doesn't change mm. and Going back to when Larry David wrote Seinfeld, there was this mantra, no no learning and no, you know, hugs. Mm, and it's okay. it, it has some of that. That there's <laughs> there's not yeah. there's not a lesson to be learned. It's not like yeah, it's not a big it. personal journey w- no. with that kind of usual mm. ending at all. You you come out of it, you think mm. about it, you come to your own conclusions. But what's nice is it's something that because it's not wrapped up neatly for you, mm. you you, the viewer, I think are richer for the fact that you can make up your own mind about what happened and yeah and i've read lots of reviews of it since i've since i wrote the one on eastern kicks because there's been a few out in in the press Mm. and it's interesting that although again the the interpretation of what has happened is is quite different and it's Mm. not necessarily that anyone's wrong it's simply that we're thinking oh maybe this is what happened oh i think it's Mm. a bit like this that's what's quite quite nice about about this film The Wind Haran is on Curzon Home Cinema with plans for physical screenings in cinemas later on and it's also streaming right now on Mubi you can sign up for Mubi wherever you're based in the world with a special offer we've partnered with them for and get 30 days for free simply head to mubi.com slash eastern kids that's it for now don't forget you can find all of our previous episodes on apple amazon music spotify google or wherever you get your podcasts subscribe and you'll never miss an episode <laughs> but for now Gion Bay. <laughs> <Gion> Bay. <laughs> oh.